Welcome to the Behavioral Healthcare Executive Podcast. We are joined today by Denise Hobson, Program Director for the Accreditation Commission for Healthcare's Behavioral Health Accreditation Program. Denise, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Tom. All right. So I guess the best place for us to start, tell us a little bit about ACHC and uh, the work that you do. Okay, thank you, Tom. ACHC, Accreditation Commission for Healthcare, we are a nationally recognized accrediting organization with some of our programs are internationally recognized as well. I love to share that we were established in 1986 as a grassroots project from a list of industry leaders and organizations, provider organizations that really reached out to us and wanted to help develop a, an affordable accreditation option for providers. So that just started the whole, the adoption of our motto of for providers by providers. I always like to say that because to me that carries such a meaning that we understand where the providers live and where they, how they operate. So, you know, just like to share that. But Again, we have been as an accrediting organization since 1986, but I do want to share, we were so excited that late 2020, ACHC merged with the Healthcare Facilities Accreditation Program, HVAP, and which that merger has allowed us to expand our opportunities across healthcare settings, such as the acute care inpatient facilities, our critical access, ambulatory surgery centers, office-based surgery centers, clinical labs. And that that merger just united both ACHC and HVAP to create now a continued spectrum of of healthcare accreditation. So we're very excited about that. We um, at ACHC, our accreditation program does offer an extensive array of focus options that are focused on that specific provider. Again, with our services being parallel with what the consumer, our, uh, our customers, and the care that they deliver and the services that they offer. It also, accreditation, as I like to explain it, is truly an independent third-party validation of behavioral health organizations as we're speaking of today. And it validates that they have qualified staff delivering the care and the services that they offer, and that that is based upon their service recipients. Appropriate assessments, the development of the treatment plan, the execution and delivery of that services, and all of that is developed and in concert with that service recipient's needs being met. You uh, you recently put out a report uh, known as the Surveyor. Catch our listeners up on what that report is and how you put it together. The Surveyor is a publication of ACHC that is distributed twice a year. In our spring-summer edition, that's a single publication that really covers all of our programs, and it offers an update of any new services or any updates to our current services or industry updates such as this past year, we started including some little short pieces or excerpts of hero stories, which we excited about that, that simply identifies individuals within our accrediting organizations who are using the framework and the value of accreditation and demonstrating how to go over and beyond to meet the needs of their patients or their clients. 
our fall edition, most recently, um, that's a series of separate publications that's focused on an individual program, such as Behavioral Health, will have its own edition of the surveyor. What this does is it helps us to focus and highlight that program and events included in that, such as our most frequently cited deficiencies or better known as the top 10 list of deficiencies, if you will, over the past specific parts time period of the year. But we also take that to our providers in that publication and we offer them tips for compliance. So we tell them as an industry what those top deficiencies that we're seeing cited and then we take them to the next step of tips for compliance. Again, this is just to ensure their education, their continued compliance. And often I like to share, Tom, that often it's not that an organization is completely missing the requirement that that deficiency is cited as all-inclusively, but it may just be that there's just one component of that standard or requirement that's missing. Um, and that's that's what we like to highlight when we offer the education and feedback to our provider customers. So in your research then, what were the most common deficiencies that, uh, that you're seeing? Okay, um, I wanna share with you again, before I talk about the deficiencies, the time period in this report, this covers a period from Ju the 1st of June in 2020 through May of 2021. I'm gonna just share for a sake of time, I'm gonna share the top three to four because three and four were tied for the uh, percent of uh, time cited. The first one, the top number one most frequently cited, which was 30% of the time, was standard BH2-6A. And that is a requirement that's uh, related to an organization having policies and procedures related to securing and releasing confidential and protected health information. We all understand the importance of that. And again, this, this standard was cited because of there being missing elements of either the organization's policy or their procedure related to confidential and protected health information. So for example, some of the surveyors actual findings were that they did not have evidence that the service recipient and or their responsible person received and understood information related to confidentiality prior to receiving the services. Another example is that the organization did not have evidence of a signed release of information when billing a third-party vendor that shares that information of, of that service recipient. And again, a quick tip on that for compliance is just assigning responsibility to, you know, if it's in the, the personnel file that they didn't sign their confidentiality statement, statement, assign that to your HR manager and part of the chart audit for the personnel records. So that was the number one for this period of time. The number two deficiency that was cited is BH4-4A. And that was cited, we've seen that 26% of the time. Now that standard and the overview of that requirement is that they, the organization must provide and document an orientation process for all their personnel. Now, simply said, the standard that was cited was simply when organizations did not provide that they had a comprehensive orientation program. And that could be, again, all of the orientation plan not being developed and comprehensive, or it could be a portion of it. 
there was not evidence of an orientation with all required elements. So there may have been one or two things missing, but they had others. But based on the requirements and the standards, it was not met in 100% of the time. Again, a tip for that is establishing an orientation process that you can go through the standards and the requirements and determine that, that, that all of those topics are included in your orientation program. Now, number three, and I'm gonna say uh, number, the first number three, because we did have a tie for 20% of the most frequently cited was BH4-2C. And this was related to the organization having policies and procedures to provide all direct care staff, direct care now, direct care staff with a hepatitis vaccine. And that was cited again, 20% of the time. And this is where our surveyors cited it when organizations did not appropriately or comprehensively establish a policy and implement it related to the hepatitis vaccine just for the direct care staff. Now, tips for that. Now, some of the things we, we would see is that they may have it, but they didn't, in a personnel file, we didn't see that they had either received it or signed a declination that they had it. So again, it could be all was missing or a portion of that component was missing. But again, tips for that is just establish your policy that you have for hepatitis vaccine and the process and that you audit for that to make sure that you have that in place. Now, the other number, we'll call it number four, even though it tied for number three, is BH42-G. And that was related to the background checks. When we do our personnel file audits, then this is a standard that ensures that background checks are completed on personnel that have direct care responsibilities to those service recipients or they have access and or they have access to their records. So again, this was cited 20% of the time. And again, it was either all or a portion of that was missing. So examples of real findings were that the organization did not include written policies and procedures regarding their background checks. They didn't have a policy defining that in the process. The other uh, example could be that assigned responsibility to complete that background check and making sure that that carried over into the personnel, direct care staff or appropriate staff's personnel file, that it was actually completed and validated that it was conducted. Again, just some examples that those will say the top four, four standards that were frequently cited from our surveyors. But again, um, just want to stress that it's a combination of either all of it was missing or just a portion of it was missing. But the beauty of that is the, the results of the survey, the summary of findings will explain that. Did you find that those common deficiencies were consistent with past reports that you put out? Were there anything, uh, any of those that became like, you know, more common issues this time around? No, we didn't see anything that was a great surprise, like a new event. I guess you could look at that time as a good thing and a bad thing. But again, we just stress to our um, our organizations, our customers, to one of the things we do is offer them an items needed for preparing for survey that lists all the standards, any document, a policy, anything that would need to be in place for them to prepare for the survey. 
And we stress to them, use this as your self-audit tool. And then in mid-cycle, we have a 12 and a 24-month compliance checklist that they can use that also. Because our surveys are for our accreditations are for 36 months. And then we recommend at mid-cycle that they do these self-audits, put it in place, assign it to you know, the personnel file, maybe your HR manager's responsibility. Your, your performance improvement may be assigned to your clinical director or someone's, but covering all the bases as a, a collaborative approach. Have providers given you any sort of an indication as to what might be the root cause of some of the challenges they have with compliance? Like, that, for example, this year that, uh, you know, you had covered in this report was basically the first year of the pandemic. Was that a contributing factor? Were there staffing issues that make some of these things more difficult? Other issues as well? Tom, that is a wonderful question. And I think you already spot on for the for my response is yes. With this time period being at the initial phase uh, and really the peak of the pandemic, staff turnover in all healthcare industries or any, any industry, but we're seeing it in healthcare and behavioral health is included in that. Staff turnover, whether it's, you know, they left and that means we have new staff members that are not as to the level of their understanding of the survey preparations and the standards interpretations. But also, let's say not just staff turnover, just staff limitations related to COVID, some decrease in staff and the services and really having to put the the priority on those serving those uh, recipients' needs in a very unique and creative way, such as telehealth. Um, That's another thing for behavioral health that we've seen really um, explode. Uh, And that's why we've opened opportunities for a a distinction in behavioral health with um, telehealth. But staffing, for sure, I would put that up there at number one. But when I also think about it, it's truly the global, what most consistent evidence that we do see is really the lack of deep down diving into the standards and understanding it, reaching out to ACHC for those clarifications, really organizing your organization so that you have dedicated staff focusing on their area of expertise or their assigned area whether it be performance improvement, service delivery, record management, but really just having a very orchestrated approach to survey, not just to prepare and achieve it, but to sustain it and maintain compliance throughout that cycle. And in the dialogue that you're having with providers, it seems like there's a really great opportunity here to use these results that you're providing um, as sort of a benchmark and, uh, you know, which can help lead to performance improvement, um, which ultimately I think is the goal uh, for why a, a provider organization would want to uh, go down this path in the first place. Absolutely. Tom, one of the things that I always like to share is that whether it's behavioral health or any other service industry and accreditation, it's really trying to explain and hopefully sell the value of accreditation. The value of accreditation is when you see a provider organization that truly, truly embraces the concept of accreditation, what they do is they focus even deeper onto data-driven outcome measures, evidence-based information that says 
from an industry as well as even themselves. These are the areas that we're seeing trends identified or these are areas where we know that we need to improve upon. It's either self-identifying or taking what we just shared today and comparing yourself to peers, you know, looking at it. One of the things we do, uh, Tom, is we not only share this information with our providers and our customers, but also our surveyors and our team in educating them on the top 10 deficiencies and making them aware because that, that paints a global picture versus just one organization, one surveyor. It truly takes this opportunity to help providers embrace the concept of continuous quality improvement. And you can't do that if you don't have back data and evidence that you can benchmark and see where those improvements are occurring, where those areas that are either internally or if they're peer-related or if it's industry-related. You're absolutely correct on that. Right. Denise Hobson, ACHC Behavioral Health Accreditation Program Director. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. This has been fun. Thank you, Tom. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of our behavioral health providers that have such a challenging expectation in these times of pandemic creativity, we'll call it. Good stuff. All right, folks, as a reminder, you can subscribe to the Behavioral Healthcare Executive Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Past episodes are also available on our website, behavioral.net. That's going to do it for this episode. Our thanks once again to Denise Hobson. I'm Tom Valentino, and this has been the Behavioral Healthcare Executive Podcast. Mm-hmm.